Nobody thinks in terms of human beings. Governments don't. Why should we? They talk about the people and the proletariat. I talk about the suckers and the mugs. It's the same thing. They have their five-year plans. <laughs> so have I. You used to believe in God. Well, I still do believe in God, only. I believe in God and mercy and all that, but the dead are happier dead. They don't miss much here, poor devils. What do you believe in? Oh, if you ever get Anna out of this mess, be kind to her. You'll find she's worth it. I wish I'd asked you to bring me some of these tablets from home. Holly, I'd like to cut you in, old man. Nobody left in Vienna I can really trust, and we've always done everything together. When you make up your mind, send me a message. I'll meet you any place, any time. And when we do meet, old man, it's you I want to see. Not the police. Remember that, won't you? <laughs> Don't be so gloomy. After all, it's not that awful. But what the fellow said, mentally, for 30 years under the Borgias, they had warfare, terror, murder, bloodshed, but they produced Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Renaissance. In Switzerland, they had brotherly love. They had 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did that produce? The cuckoo clock. So long, Holly. your motherfucking boy v mark rob aka sean mad love aka gordon darks aka pacey twitter aka stevens p ilberg coming at you with a new episode we should do this again sometime normally we don't introduce or set up movies which maybe we could be a bit better about but i do want to at least set this one up because me and cat go into the third man and a place in the sun and we go into heavy spoilers in the very beginning um so i do want to highly recommend watching a place in the sun and the third man and then jetting back to the episode to, to hear us uh, talk about it because we we do have really heavy spoilers uh, so the first one that we do talk about is a place in the sun again highly recommend checking that out and the next one we'll talk about is the third man so again thank you for listening love you peace enjoy the episode anyway speaking of people with harder or weirder lives than mine i mean we we have a plethora of that this week don't we Uh, oh my god i mean we can we can do the uh is he technically a murderer or nah I did not think he was. I think he's a manslaughterer, but I don't think he's a murderer. Like, I think we're on a plane, right? And your flight instructor, you were going to jump out, right? Your flight instructor, your parachute instructor accidentally hip checks you out of the door without your parachute and you die. That's manslaughter, but it was an accident. But they did not put you in a position to succeed in surviving in that case. And I feel like it is a situation like that. 
So, according to the infallible Wikipedia, involuntary manslaughter is the killing of a human being without the intent of doing so, either expressed or implied. So, while he's not a murderer, he's an involuntary manslaughterer. Is that at least feasible? I think that he was really considering it. Yeah. But you can see him decide not to. And he gives an amazing performance. Yeah. Cliff Montgomery. Yeah. You can see him just soften, 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 soften. Yeah. And by the time it happens, he's not going to do it. Yeah. He might try to talk some sense and I don't want to marry you. Let's see if we can get an abort. Let's do something. Which would not necessarily be honorable, but he was not going to be murdering her. Yeah. So I think that actually the trial in itself, I think that brings up kind of another thing of, because there's even parts where so many evidence is, I think they actually forged some of the evidence. And mm-hmm. the the prosecutor, while we champion thick uh, legal people want to champion women's at least protection. Uh, he was OD. Like he was, he was way too much. Eastman. That night when you left that dinner party at the house at Brides Lake to meet Alice Tripp in the bus station. Do you remember leaving anything behind you? No, I don't. I don't remember leaving anything. I'm referring to your heart, Eastman. Did you leave that behind you? Did you, Eastman? Out there in that terrace in the moonlight. You left behind, didn't you, the girl you loved? And with her, your hopes, your ambitions, your dreams. Didn't you, Eastman? You left behind everything in the world you ever wanted, including the girl you loved. But you planned to return to it, didn't you, Eastman? Answer me. Yes. Eastman, when you told them all that night that you were going to visit your mother... You were lying, weren't you? Yes. When you gave the boatkeeper a false name, you were lying again, weren't you? Yes. When you drove up to Loon Lake, what reason did you give Alice Tripp for parking so far away from the lodge? Because we were out of gas. Weren't you lying again? Yes. Lies. Isn't it a fact that every move you made was built on lies? Yet now, of course, when you're facing death in the electric chair, suddenly you can't tell anything but the truth. Is that what you want the jury to believe? All the same, it's true. I didn't kill her. So you persist in lying about that, too. But, I mean, and he should not have been convicted of murder, which is really strange. But he, he bought himself no kind of leeway. No one, There's no reason to actually believe him. Yeah, I'd also argue that in the 50s, especially, the idea of... I was going to leave this woman pregnant by herself out of wedlock. That's shitty nowadays. But in the 50s, that was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. That's almost as bad as doing a murder in (laughs) in the eyes of the 50s. Yeah. My thought process is I assumed that he was going to knock her over, have her start to drown, save her, and then be like, I saved your life. I don't owe you anything else. (laughs) <laughs> Get out of here. Hilarious. Like, kind of scare her a little bit, right? Maybe. Maybe. Just to get her to disappear. Yeah. 
not like in a murder way. But boy, I really enjoyed that movie. Yes, uh, A Place in the Sun. Yes. Which we have oh, not sorry. said yet. <laughs> we well, we don't introduce shit here, which I'm I'm very thankful for. Uh, uh, a Place in the Sun. I found I really enjoyed the idea that because it's basically four movies in one, so you have kind of like the the beginning of where he's from these meek means, or so we so we think they're meek. And this is kind of the story of class, class mobility, poverty, but then it kind of metastasizes into this sweeping romance with him and Liz Taylor. And then it turns into an Alfred Hitchcock horror movie and then a courtroom drama at the end. And I think it flowed all fairly well. Yeah. And I think that it didn't ever feel super discordant. Yeah. Like the way you just described it, it's like, damn, that's a lot of things. And this movie's only like two hours and 15 minutes. It's not a long movie. And all of those beats have time to breathe. All of those performances have time to kind of shine. And there's like a huge amount of attention to detail. Like you can see his tailoring starts to get better and better as the film goes on, as he gets more money and status. Like there are a lot of little details that are really clever that kind of help to move those other parts of the story that maybe aren't the focus anymore on. Yeah. And I, I really like that. I think it, it makes it seem like a very complete thing. Yeah. In the beginning, when he gets the 30, the $35 suit, his pants are baggy as fuck. They're like super fucking wavy. Right. And by the end, he's in these really, you know, Yes, they're still pleated pants, but they're because that was the style at the time. Yeah. But like they fit very trim. He's got like a nice he's got the same jacket on, but he's got a nice shirt. He's got nice shoes. Yeah, he's fully upgraded. He's fully upgraded. So of the different kind of segments of the film, did you have any one part that was a bit compelling? Because I did think of it did make me think of like. It's so funny because it's kind of starts out as class mobility, but if he was even a bit smarter, he would kind of understand that his time would eventually come if he just kind of waited it out because he was already from means. And so if he just kind of stayed the course, he would have been fine. I, I think he, the what happened was good, but I think that had he not been promoted like that, or at least not like re-anointed, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't think he would have gotten Alice pregnant. Yeah. And so I think it's really interesting. Like, yeah, you say if he stayed the course, everything would have been fine. Except that he still would have been in that situation. At All least right. if if the logic of the film holds. We can't be uh, dipping pins in the company ink. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but he did it anyway. He did it anyway. He did it anyway. He dipped that pen real nice. Bitch, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> I mean, she was <laughs> she was hooked, so it must have been very, very special pen and a very special fountain. Cat shakes her head disappointingly. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get where he was coming from. I get it, it's exciting. Yeah. But also, like, bro. <laughs> yeah. Bro. Oh, so I I didn't let you answer. What was your um? favorite piece of the story i really liked like the second kind of movement of the 
going up the ladder corporately being introduced to the society set yeah falling in love again movement first of all because i thought it did such did such a nice job of contrasting like the heartbreak of alice and the joy of angela yeah it's weird because with the exception of alice none of the uh like worker working class folks are really given any character moments. Yeah. And every one of the the white collar crowd are given little bits. Yeah. I and guess. so you immediately see that he's kind of taken out of this desert of just trying to survive and placed in this beautiful garden of time to cultivate my persona. Yeah, George wants uh-huh. to get back uh-huh. into it. Yeah, George wants to get back into that Eastman name for real, so... I mean, I also think that just, like, the way his mother talks to him, right? Like, I think he's really craving, like, love and acceptance more than he maybe even wants to be rich. Mm. Well, I think he definitely wants both. I think he definitely wants both. I don't think he starts wanting both. Because hmm. in the beginning, he's a lot more willing to make, like, on do honest work for honest wages. And he seems more, like, bummed that he was forgotten about by the family yeah. than mad he's not making enough money. Yeah. And then as he gets around those people that make money, that's when, that's when he starts it. wanting money as well. Okay. Because yeah, then he also about. meets Angela, and Angela is wealthy, so he has to at least show that he has the potential to provide for her yeah so now that's a different goal yeah i don't remember did he start like doing those um when he drew up the plan did he do that for like the to get the promotion did he do that before or after he met liz taylor because i think i felt like he well, did he that meets her in, he meets her in the first scene for like a second oh uh, yeah that's right that's right yeah so he like saw her from like a safe social distance <laughs> Yeah, six feet apart, yes. Oh, I'm sorry, a safe society distance. <laughs> and maybe he knows that she exists, but not, like, that she's also someone to be in love with. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think he kind of sees Alice right away and is like, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> it takes him a minute to really start engaging with Angela, right? Yeah. And one one could argue that's because of Alice, but yeah. to me, it seems that we see in a very short amount of time him going from, like, lust and, like, that very – now, keep in mind, he's lived in a convent his whole childhood up to this point. So I have no idea if he's ever had a relationship before, right? Yeah. So the first time he he has the chance to have a relationship, he just takes it and is like, woohoo! You know, as you do when you are, you know, like a high schooler in your first relationship. Obviously, he's older, but it's a similar energy, right? Yeah. And then and then he meets, like, the woman who who he is able to, like, intellectually fall in love with. Not that she's particularly, like, intellectually, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. They give her, like, 0% agency, which is fine, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what I notice is is that once he's not worried about money, he is able to actually fall in love. Yeah. 
Really, what I'm trying to say is that everyone should be paid enough that they're not constantly in fight or flight so they can find their soulmates, goddammit. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, <laughs> you're not very far off. You're not very far off. I mean, we we gotta pay for the we gotta pay for the honeymoon somehow, you know. Yeah. What do you think about Liz Taylor in this? I know we kind of talked about her character a little bit, but overall, what do you think about her in this? I think this is the first Liz Taylor movie I've like in her prime that I've actually sat through. I uh, this is not a favorite performance of mine of hers. I think okay. she does a really good job with it, but I also think that the, at one point they cut to her and she's in high school. And I was like, oh, that's why she's acting like this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Which, like, granted, Liz Taylor in this movie is 19. Like, the actress. Yeah, yeah. So, like, okay, this tracks. Upon further reflection. I, I forgot I saw a Giant, which... I think she's better in Giant. I, I had a lot of problems with that movie overall, but she's actually good in Giant. I forgot that. But I think she does a great performance as a later high schooler who thinks she's very ahead of the curve because she's never actually, like, seen adulthood. Yeah. And so that, when she's like, I'll always love you, like, I'm like, yeah, she's in fucking high school. Of course she thinks that. <laughs> I, I hated that line so much. I came to see you. I thought lots about you, George. All the time. I went away to school to learn. I don't think I learned very much. I love you, George. I wanted you to know that. There's nothing more to say. I know something now that I didn't know before. I am guilty of a lot of things. Most of what they say at me. All the same. I'll go on loving you. For as long as I live. But it made so much sense because she's a kid. Yeah, yeah. And he's not, I'm not trying to be like, and he's being creepy. Because I think they say at one point he is 19 also. So he's maybe two years older than her worst case. Yeah, he's not very old. Yeah. No. So there's there's not there's, this is not me saying it's creepy and bad. I'm I'm just saying like she's a high school student. Yeah. If you read some of the journal entries I wrote when I met my my the first guy I ever went out with, fuck. Um, <laughs> Hilarious. I don't miss those days. I really don't miss those days at I all. I should have been chained to the radiator in the basement. I was I had a terrible thought of black snake moan for a second. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm a fucking sicko. Categories, but she can't muster the courage to say so. As long as you know. That's all I care about. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Oh man. But um I was really surprised at how how good this movie actually is. Even though the four different segments seem 
uh, they're seamless. I was kind of surprised that about an hour and a half, there was still a half hour left. At the hour and a half mark is when he falls asleep in the car, wakes up, and they go back to the compound. But you hear the sirens in the background, so you know he's going to get caught. I kind of thought the movie would just end with him just, like, on the lamb, basically. But then we got that crazy courtroom scene with the fucking boat getting destroyed. <laughs> that was great, but it was so fucking ridiculous. Do you mean to tell me you couldn't swim this little distance to this poor, weak girl? And buoy her up till you could reach this boat just 15 feet away. I'll tell you one thing, you know, you know you're lying. She was drowning and you just let her drown. She was sitting there defenseless in the back of the boat and you picked up this oar like this and you crashed it down on that poor girl's head like... It was such a weird thing to watch because the main character is giving such a, like, subtle nuanced performance laced (laughs) with all of this, like, regret and confusion and like this just immense sense yeah. of like loss and longing and he's just up against a guy that's like oh rip this boat in half and it's like what <laughs> is happening yeah it was so crazy it was it was it was very uh the tonal mismatch was yeah off the chain <laughs> I, I had no clue that this this like wouldn't that be like a mistrial like a a, a da destroying i mean as soon as he anything? got hit with a piece of that boat i was like file for a mistrial file for a mistrial right now yes like, he <laughs> like, just hit you with a piece of the boat i hope that was in the murder boat he like destroyed evidence in the courtroom in front of the judge That'd be and wild. The, and the judge was like, he was going to leave that woman unmarried. Like, <laughs> yeah. It actually, I do. I actually do love that. In the moments of sincerity, you can agree that while he he didn't murder her, but he did not rescue her. Yeah. Um. But even even the the court system, as you see in this movie, this long ago, is like nah. We gotta throw this guy under the fucking jail. It's like, well, we're, let's violate another person's civil rights. Like, all how many, right. How let's, many other children is he gonna have out of wedlock if given half the chance? Huh? <laughs> His sperm. He's gonna do so much damage. We gotta get Liz Taylor. We gotta save Liz Taylor from this life of torture and possible murder. Or something like that. We gotta really. We gotta save her from a life with the pores. I mean, isn't that what this movie ultimately is about? Like, we're not going to have you poors mingling with us rich folk. We're not going to have that. I did some reading about this guy, and he used to direct romance movies before the war, like romance and comedies. And then he went to war. And everything after he comes back from the war is about, like, deconstructing the American dream and like looser grasps on reality and and how good people can make mistakes that turn them into bad people and like damn king go I mean, off George Stevenson he was he, he he did some shit he got into some shit over there man mm-hmm. which I think the choice to do that makes a lot of sense I mean you can't keep doing fucking uh swing time fifty times you know. 
No, give he some, cannot. Give us some real shit, though. I like that the longer we saw him in jail reading about himself and hearing people call him a murderer, like, you can see his grasp on reality start to break down. Yeah. And I do wonder if that is meant to kind of be indicative of folks who perhaps went to war and perhaps did things that they did not want to do or were not comfortable doing or maybe in some cases didn't do then feeling that they are these other horrible things yeah I was... which in a lot of ways is really ahead of its time because that doesn't really get a lot of like public attention until like the vietnam war yeah and even then it took like 30 years after the Vietnam War for people to be like, damn, we sent these kids to war and then treated them like ass when they got back because we realized we shouldn't have sent them. Yeah. I and think then the, turned around and blamed them. Yeah, I think the first war movie to do that was All Quiet on the Western Front, the original. But I think when, whenever we got the Vietnam War is when a real kind of public distrust of the war. I think that's the first American war where the public would just vehemently like anti it, like no matter your political affiliation, like everyone just hated it. So, and then the subsequent movies in like the eighties for the most part and the nineties too, some in the most part were heavily critical of it. And actually speaking of like this character, George, Actually, I think he's, like, a great avatar for what you're talking about because in the very beginning, like, he's very docile, but we eventually see that he's sensitive and he has somewhat hardworking. He's, he has, like, drive, he has motivation to at least succeed in his field, but then he just makes a mistake. He is panicked by it, and then... He's going to make the ultimate mistake, but ultimately he he doesn't want to do it, but then he gets fucked up anyway. So yeah, he comes back to being a good person. Yeah. Which and and then is still punished like he hadn't, which is also probably a, a you know commentary on the American justice system and the inversions of the American dream, which I kind of mentioned earlier. Yeah. Now, if you watch this on uh, Pluto TV. It'd take about four, well, two hours, 45 minutes to get through, uh, which is uh, a time commitment. But I think I think this is worth a watch, especially if you do like it like I did. <laughs> uh, you can also rent it for three bucks. Yeah. Or if you have Canopy, you can rent it for free through Canopy. Canopy got to make an actual TV app. Like, I don't want to watch I don't want to watch Canopy through a web browser, but. I usually watch it through my iPad and cast it. Is your casting smooth? When I uh, maybe because my MacBook is a little older, if I cast through my MacBook, there's like a delay between audio and the video. I usually have to cast it like cast, put it up once, take it down, put it up once, take it down, put it up once, take it down, and then usually the third or the fourth time it'll work. Oh, that's strange, man. That's strange. Uh, rest in peace to Alice. Uh, we, we hardly knew ye, but uh, Shirley Winters, you did your thing. Couldn't have happened to a nicer girl. She's actually, she's uh, kind of a fox. Kinda. I saw what, I saw what George is doing. He's trying to start that company, Inc., but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, 
Highly recommend this one. Highly recommend this one. What up, you mutant miscreants? It is I, Oroko Saki, aka The Shredder, here to tell you about the Shredhead podcast, starring me, The Shredder, and my best friend, my main brain, the brains of the outfit I'm talking about, Krang. Krang is there. He's my producer. We have a podcast. It's utterly ridiculous. It's an insane premise. Uh, to top it all off, I I haven't even seen the Ninja Turtles in years, but we're primarily talking about hoops. Yes, the national, the national BA, the W national BA. Um, oh damn it! I've run into the lyrics. I'm sorry, but just check out the Shredhead podcast. It's me. It's crying. It's crazy. I wasn't disappointed by Third Man. I really wasn't. I was expecting way more of it, though. Because I think everything I saw up to it, well, leading up to it beforehand, a lot of people were saying, like, five stars, like, one of the greatest movie ever. I think this is, in 1999, Third Man was, like, voted the greatest British film ever. And... I don't know. <laughs> I don't, it's really good. I really enjoyed it, but I, I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not a British film connoisseur, but I don't know if I would say this is the best British movie I've ever watched. But what do you think about Third Man? It was like one of those movies where I'm like, ah, the like exemplary noir. Yeah. Great. Good job. You did all the things I needed you to do. Yeah. And that's all. <laughs> so are we are we now reaching a point to where because we're seeing the movies that have set the template we're just we're just like okay we get it <laughs> i mean definitely sometimes i would yeah. say not all the time because i think we've had some pleasant surprises yeah but this was a movie where i was like as soon as i saw spoilers for a movie from 1949 that the friend was still alive. I was like, I think I know exactly how the rest of this movie is going to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, basically, basically. And I was right. <laughs> uh, but I, I and really... that doesn't mean that it was bad. I thought they did a beautiful job really using the setting to its full potential. The idea of having it be so quickly post-war and thusly they have those rubble deposits places like, they set up a fair because the war is finally over. Like, all of these things make sense. Yeah. And make it interesting. And, oh, he's a mystery writer. Cool. I like that element. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm here to see my friend. I've known him for 20 years. Oh, the war ruined him. <laughs> yeah. He is not the person he lost, you know? He is, like, evil. Yeah. And I will say, in the in the children's hospital, they shot that like a horror movie. Yeah, they did. Yes, absolutely. Like, there's, there are a lot of things, and I think I might not say that this is the best movie ever, right? But there are so many things in this movie that have defined movies that have come after it, not just noir. Yeah. Some of the, the shot transitions I thought were really cool. The one where they, they use the magnifying glass to blur out the shot. 
and then it focuses in again as he moves it back out and the camera's moved. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. It's so good. So I, I enjoyed a lot of that. Or the one where he gives her the flowers and she turns the flowers into the camera and then it comes out of the window box. Beautiful. I love Orson Welles in this a lot. Look down there. Would you really feel any pity if one of those dots stopped moving forever? If I offered you 20,000 pounds for every dot that stopped, would you really, old man, tell me to keep my money? Or would you calculate how many dots you could afford to spin? Free of income tax, old man. Free of income tax. The only way you can save money now, dude. A lot of good your money will do you in jail. That jail's in another zone. There's no proof against me. Besides you. I thought I, it was fine. I, I, uh, I think that I may be... The, the like most ambivalent towards Orson Welles of anyone ever. <laughs> I mean, he was, I don't know, man. He My favorite in... performance of his is in the Muppet movie. Hilarious. Hilarious. Very on brand. Very on yeah. brand. Mr. Lord, uh, forgive the interruption, but I'm here to audition. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, we've come over 2,000 miles to... Uh, oh, boy. Uh. Kami, we're all with you. Uh, 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 please, sir, uh, my name is Kermit the Frog, and, and we read your ad, and, well, we've come to be rich and famous. Tracy, prepare the standard rich and famous contract for Kermit the Frog and Company. I don't know. Man. I think he, I think he came so a show for me, man. I don't know. Good. And it's so funny. In my review of Third Man, I don't know what I like experiencing more. Orson Welles was the first wolf from before sunrise. <laughs> because I was like, that that looks quasi-familiar, but I guess maybe because it was a landmark I saw it before. But mm-hmm. no, I, I, saw, I saw it in another rom-com movie. Uh, well, I saw it in a romance movie 40 years, 50 years later. So there you go. Well, no, it was 40 years, but... Yeah, man. What'd you think about Anna at the end when she's walking toward uh, old boy, but then she like walks right past Holly? Fucking good. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so he's not he's not really a snitch, but how do we define his character? I said in my review, too nice to live, nice in quotes. Too alive to die. (laughs) Okay. From the jump, like at least he has some awareness that he drinks too much. But from the from the jump, I was like, oh, he has never been responsible for any bad thing that's ever happened to him in his entire life. (laughs) 
good assessment. Good assessment. And like he definitely had been, but you know he he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And I don't really care for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I just kind of had to go. Okay. We gotta hang out for Holly for two hours. All right. Great. Okay. <laughs> nah, man. So I don't I don't know what even singular word to describe him would be, but I don't know. I I definitely thought he was kind of a shit, but um, at least as an avatar for like the detective like who done it in this of this movie, I think he was serviceable. But there was never a time when, like, I was actually rooting for him. I mean, I don't think you're supposed to. Yeah. Does the movie want you to root for Holly? Hmm. I mean, I think that, to me, it seems like the movie really cares more about you rooting for the friend to go down once you find out what happened. Yeah. Then you are supposed to root for, like, him to get closure or whatever his goal is. And that's fine. Yeah, I mean, this guy was shooting the shot when this woman was going through this wild ass, <laughs> dramatic scene of, I think this country's gonna kill me when I get ex- when I get extradited. He's like, I just want to see, I just want to roll some tit. Like that shit was wild. Like goddamn, guy, read the room. It was a big read the room situation with that guy. I mean, I think he thought he was. I mean, nah, man, she definitely made the right choice from from moving on from his ass, but. Mm-hmm. I think of the movies that we've watched, I think the entire, like, sore sequence, I think that may be one of the best photographed scenes of the movies we've covered so far. And it's so odd because we, I mean, how many, if you're not watching, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like, I mean, how how often are you actually in sore systems or whatever? So it was really this unique setting, but... I don't know, I was really kind of I was really kind of captivated by it. Now, it's a sewer system, so uh that can only be as pretty as a sewer system can be. <laughs> but what we were saying earlier, just like I think the photography overall, not just with that, but I think the movie overall is probably one of the best that we've had so far for the season. Yeah. And and it was a great, in my opinion, everything in it, like nothing was wasted. They used yeah. every part of the buffalo. They used every trick that they had, but not in a way that felt schlocky and shitty and sticky. In a way that truly felt like a showcase of a relatively young art form. Yeah, definitely. And it just seems very happy to be a movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely a tone throughout the whole thing that's like, you ready for this? <laughs> I, I don't know that you are. In a way that I find really enjoyable. Yeah, I really enjoyed this ride, man. I think I like A Place in the Sun a bit better, but I can see why someone would say it's a five-star movie. I I gave it a four in Letterboxd. Um, I think I did as well. Yeah, I think this is a a really good film, though. I think it was really good. We're living in a wild-ass time. I can't imagine kind of just living among war ruins. Like... That's just, that's kind of a mind fuck, man. Like, yeah. But, no, man, they really did the shit. They did. Um, I don't know if you've been on Letterboxd lately, but I've been kind of on a binge of bro movies, which 
I want to blame Pluto TV for this. So here's what I've watched since April 4th. I watched RoboCop, Rounders, Casino, Gladiator, Face Off, Biodome, Air, Saturday. Face Off, I think I said Face Off, or maybe I rewatched it. Speed, and today I watch Euro Trip. So okay. I am, I am, uh, I don't know why, uh, but I don't know. This is, I feel very broy. This is big bro vibes. But it's a very specific era of bro vibes. It is. I don't know if if the bro vibes of Face Off could exist in any other year. But. (laughs) I mean, John really did his shit with that one, man. Listen, 1997 was a great year. It got your face off. It got you me. There's. (laughs) Cat born a face off. Truly no notes to give. Exactly. But I I do think that like even 1998 might have been too late for face off. Oh, yeah. Travolta's 90s career, I think it's is Hall of Fame worthy. If you if you if you fully ignore the 80s, <laughs> and you fully ignore virtually everything after 1999, it's a very Hall of Fame career. I think his his Grease performance is serially underrated. Was that in the 80s? I think that's 78. Oh, 78. Yeah. So so I was still right. So we're still gonna delete the whole. Oh, blowout. No, we need blowout. 81. We need blowout. I'm just trying to figure out how old John Travolta was in Greece. And, uh... I mean... He had to have been late 20s, probably. No, he's 24. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Because I was... Oh, oh, you know what? Also, though, Hairspray. Hairspray, he's good in Hairspray. You can't change my mind. <laughs> that movie's not good, but he's good in it. Oh, okay, all right. I'll take your word for it. Okay. I really like John Travolta's, like, minutia, if that makes sense. Like, I really like his wife. May she rest in peace. She's my favorite part of Sky High, but also I just liked her a lot. I think she's cool. But I also just, like, I like that he and... Olivia Newton-John, like, maintained a close friendship over a lot of years. Like, I like that his reputation was just, like, nice, albeit weird man. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, he did a Comic-Con a couple years ago, and they had a problem because the first time he did the photo ops, he he had never done a con before. So he didn't talk to anyone. Oh, shit. When they were doing the photos. And then they were like, hey, man, you can, like, say hey to everybody, like, as they're coming in. Like, you can talk to them. And then they had the opposite problem where he would talk with them for so long that it was screwing up their timetable. (laughs) Okay. Because usually the idea is that every interaction takes, like, 30 seconds. You get a, hey, how are you? Oh, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Can you stand on this mark here? All right, smile. Like, that's... (laughs) Yeah. He's like, tell me about your kids! Like... So he, he's, yeah. he's, he's got two settings, which is off and on, it face, seems like. Face off. And on, face off. on. Basically. It's kind of nuts. Not in a bad way. Just like, it's a lot of stuff, you know? 
Yeah. I actually, even though it was kind of, well, it wasn't really my line, but actually I did enjoy the remake of Taking Pell on 1, 2, 3. Actually, I thought that was pretty decent with him, Denzel, and Gandolfini in it. But, nah, man, this 90s shit, this 90s shit was really, really good. Did you ever see Bolt? Yeah, like once when it came out. Okay. Do you remember liking that at all? I have no memory of it. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there like, it once is. in a blue moon, I'll see, like, Bolt merchandise, like, mentioned on, like, a blog about a theme park, and I'm like, oh my god, Bolt! Never, uh, like awaken to drive to revisit it, which should probably tell you all it needs to say. <laughs> so you're saying you want Bolt merch for your birthday? That's that's what you're saying right now. Got if it. If I don't get a 50 pound box crammed with Bolt plushies, did I even turn 26? Super Yaki giving you a job, and also Super Yaki sponsor the show will come on the show. <laughs> Super Yaki, please save us. <laughs> Please, please save us from the shackles of capitalism. Every, every day, I wake up and pray to Super Yaki in a hopes that they will benevolently answer my prayers. The Super Yak. We pray <laughs> that, to the Super Yak. That they will perhaps uh, send me a box of merch. Did I tell you I got the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion movie t-shirt because they had it on sale for five dollars oh you bought it i did buy it once it dropped to five dollars i was like you can't beat that you cannot beat that if you've enjoyed the episode please subscribe rate us five stars leave a review and tell a friend to tell a friend Follow Cat at Cat underscore Chin at T on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Show and Mad Love, S-H-O-W-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter at Cat and Mark. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?